Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Last week we started a series, a three-week series, called Lessons from the Christmas Story. Lessons from the Christmas Story. And we're talking about three people, primarily three people, who are involved in the Christmas Story and who were invited by God to be a part of those events. But we came to realize a a couple of principles in that. One one principle is this, that whenever you read these stories about people who are involved in the Christmas story and the invitation that God gives, it's really more God informing them of what He is about to do and how He is going to use them. Remember, in none of those three stories did God ever invite them to participate. He simply appears with the angel and says, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to use you to do what I am going to do. That's the way God invites you. He's not really asking you, giving you a chance to inquire whether or not you will. He simply informs you of what he's going to do and how he wants to use you. Another interesting thing, though, about that story, if you remember, is the fact that every one of those people responded by saying yes. That, yes, Lord, we will do it. To some very challenging experiences and and unspeakable callings, they have been called out and every one of them say yes. And then I I made a little footnote there and, and I asked this question, do you think the reason that they say yes is because God, who's an all-knowing God, already knows that they're going to say yes. He knows the intent of their heart. That's why he asked them. He asked them because he already knows that whenever they find out what he's going to do and how he wants to use them, their answer will be yes. But there's a flip side to that. The flip side to that is this. Do you wonder if God doesn't reveal to us great and awesome things and how he wants to include us in his work and in his plan that he doesn't ask us because he knows that in our hearts we would say no? Think about that. Why is it that God's using other people and not using you? Why why is it that God's inviting other people and telling other people what they're to do? Why is God doing in other churches and and why does he do that? And he doesn't do it with me. I need to look in my heart. For an all-knowing God already knows whether or not I will say yes when he invites me. And therefore, we ought to all want to have a heart that says, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you ask of me, the answer is yes. All you have to do is inform me. All you have to do is tell me how you choose to include me, and my answer will be yes. That needs to be the heart of every one of us. And we're looking at three people who had the heart to say yes. Last week, we looked at Zacharias. Zacharias, the story of Zacharias and what happens found in Luke chapter 1. And you say, well, I don't remember Zacharias being a part of the Christmas story that we read under the Christmas tree. Well, it should be. Because Zacharias is, is about 
the birth of John the Baptist. You remember that? And John the Baptist is important because if John the Baptist had not come, then Jesus would have not come. For it had already been foretold there would be a forerunner of the spirit of Elijah who would precede the Messiah. Therefore, John had to be born in order for Jesus to come. The forerunner, the herald, the one who would announce forth that the Messiah has arrived, had to get there first, and Zacharias was invited to do that. Remember, the angel appeared to him while he was offering incense, and he tells him that you're going to have a son, and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to be mighty in the sight of God, and he's going to make ready the path for the Messiah. And Zacharias, whenever he hears that, finally he grabs hold of what God is saying and and he is called by God, and he and Elizabeth are going to have a boy named John the Baptist who is going to fulfill great and mighty things and prepare the way for the Lord. That was the first of those. Today, I want us to focus on Mary. Mary, probably the most popular person other than Jesus himself in the Christmas story. Let's see Mary. And and as we evaluate Mary, I want us to evaluate her on the basis of Four principles about how these people responded to God when God invites them. Remember those four principles? I'm sure you've got them all memorized, don't you? I'm sure I wouldn't have to ask one thing because I gave them to you. I asked you to write them down last week. So I'm sure all of you know what they are. Take out your pencil and piece of paper. We're going to have a pop test. You have to sign it and turn it in. Find out if you really know what those four principles, those four responses to God's invitation were. Well, in case you can't remember, let's help. The first response we find every time God speaks to one of these people is they first have fear. That's right. They first have fear. Secondly, they have faith. They have faith. The third response is fulfillment. That what God said and what God knew he would do, he does. He brings it to pass. It's fulfillment. And the last of those, so it'll be an F, so you can remember four Fs, right? Because some of you would have got an F and would have done that pop test. You can remember that. (laughs) That fourth F was fullness of joy. The fullness of joy that that heart feels because they've done what God would have them do. Let's look at Mary's life. It's found in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I want to begin reading in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, that's after Zacharias and Elizabeth have heard that they're going to have a son and John is, she's pregnant with John. Now in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, an obscure town. Probably the least likely place that you would think that God, in all of his infinite wisdom, looking over his promised land, would have chosen that this particular city would be the city that he would call forth the mother of the Messiah. In this obscure city, it says there in verse 27, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to an obscure city to speak to an unknown young lady. 
What was great about Mary's life? What was known about Mary's life? She was a descendant of David. Living in this city, that's all they know about her. But God has known her. God has prepared her. God knows that she is going to be used in an awesome way to accomplish the eternal salvation of all the world. An obscure city, an unknown young woman, and the angel comes. Look what happens there in verse 28. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now notice the first response. Here it is in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. Listen to verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. When it says it troubled her heart, it created fear within her. There was a fear that swelled up within her heart and her life when she sees and hears this angel of God come to speak to her. Her first response was fear. That's why the angel's words, first words to her, hey, Mary, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Well, let me tell you something. Almost any person who's ever been invited by God to participate in the supernatural, to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to be involved in that which is beyond us and greater than us, it originates in the heart of God. Any person who's ever been invited by God and informed by God that I'm going to use you, the first response is fear. It's just a natural response to have fear. It's the fear of the unknown. Are you ever afraid of the unknown? It's the fear of the unusual. (laughs) It's never happened like this before. I've never faced this before. I've never been asked this before. I've never been invited to do this before. It's unusual. So the unknown and the unusual cause fear to swell up in your heart and in your life. And that's okay. It's okay that Zacharias, it's okay that Mary, when they first encounter this invitation by God, they have fear. But here's the important thing. They can't stay there. You can't stay there because if you just stay there with fear, you will not be involved. If you just stay there in fear, you'll be paralyzed and you'll not participate. You cannot stay there. You have to move beyond that. You have to go somewhere beyond fear. And how do you do that? How do you move beyond fear to that next step, which is faith? How do you get from fear to faith? Here's something you need to write down. This principle is true whether it happened in in this story of Mary or whether it happens in your life today. Here's how you get from fear to faith. You receive a word from God. You need a word from God. In the midst of your fear, if you can get a word from God, something happens. Something changes. Well, she gets a word from God. 
word from God is through the voice of an angel. And this is what he says. Verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Then Mary interrupts for a moment and says, asking a question, Lord or angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? She asked that question, how can it be? He goes on and gives to her another word. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For this reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. What a word from God. He tells her this is what God is doing and this is how God's going to use you. God has a Messiah, a Savior, He's going to send to the world and He's going to use you. And it's going to be miraculous. You're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son. And Mary in the midst of that stops and says, how can that be? I I have not known a man. And he says, because you will conceive of the Holy Spirit and it will be a holy and righteous seed. It will be called, he will be called the son of the living God. And he gives to her this word. He even gives to her extra words. I think that's so sweet what this angel does for Mary. He doesn't just answer who this is that she's going to have. He also tells her two very important things. He says, oh, yes, by the way, let me tell you about your relative Elizabeth. <laughs> I, I, don't know if you're, I don't know if you know this, and she didn't, because why? Because Elizabeth had what? What did we learn last week? Elizabeth had kept her pregnancy secret. Remember that? And and the angel comes and says, hey, by the way, Elizabeth, you remember her? She's your relative. She's an old woman. She's past the years of having a child. She's been barren all of her life. She's six months pregnant. That's a miracle. He didn't have to tell her that. He did that to what? Build her faith. And he makes this statement. For nothing will be impossible with God. That's an angel of God announcing about the character of God and the power of it. That's not a person saying that's the angel of God. Nothing is impossible with God. Just adds that to what he's supposed to announce. To build her faith. And whenever she receives that word from God, you know what it creates in her? Faith. Faith. 
That's how you move from fear to faith. You get a word from God. Here an angel is announcing this to her. But in our day and time, we have the living word of God that you hold in your hand, anointed by the Spirit of God, interpreted by the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who speaks that living word to your heart and your life. The next time you have fear in your life, especially if that fear originates because God's asking you to do the impossible, then get in the word of God and receive a word from God and your fear will be transformed to faith. That's where you got to get to. It's where God wants you to be and, and that's what happens to Mary. Listen to how she has faith. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, when she heard all this, Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. Underline these words. Be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That is her statement of faith. Be it done to me, your bondservant, according to your word. I am in. You can count on me. It's a big yes. Yes, Lord. I will do it. God already knew she'd do it. Amen? That's why she was invited. But let me tell you something. Please do not minimize what you just heard when she made those short little statements of, let it be done to me according to your word. Do not minimize that because her faith is great faith. Her great faith means this. It, it equals this. She says that she is going to have a disregard for all the cost. You hear that? She says, I am going to disregard all the cost of what you're calling me to do. And there was going to be a great cost for Mary. For she was betrothed to Joseph, but they had not yet known one another. She is a virgin, has never known a man. And God says, now I choose you a virgin to have my son, and he's going to be a holy seed. And God has told her that, but nobody else knows that. And whenever she says... I will do it. Whatever you ask of me, I will do it. She says she will disregard the cost. You know what those costs are going to be? One of those costs will be shame. She will be shamed because people will think that she has had relations outside the context of marriage and that betrothal. She is going to have shame. She's going to have accusations made towards her. And the least of things... The least of things is she'll be considered dishonorable. What I mean by that, whenever the angel is going to go to Joseph and say, Joseph, listen, Mary is not unfaithful to you and you need to take her as your wife and to keep her. Whenever Joseph embraced her and now they stayed together instead of being separated, it was dishonorable because what do people think? Whose baby is this? It's Joseph's baby. And instead of them waiting and doing like they should have done, they had relations before the marriage, and therefore it is dishonorable. At the worst, it's accusations and shame. At the best, 
it is dishonor. That's what people would say. That's what people would say. That's how people would explain it. But she says, I will disregard the cost. I will disregard it. That means to pay very little attention to. Disregard means to pay very little attention to it. I'm just not going to pay attention to what people say. It's pretty good advice. Pretty good advice. I'm going to disregard the cost. I'm going to disregard what people say. But what I am going to regard, I'm going to regard God and his word and his will. I'm going to have regard for God and his word and his will. I'm going to pay very close attention to what God has told me to do. I'm going to spend my time focusing in on what God and how God chooses to use me. That's where I'm going to spend my time. I'm going to have disregard for the cost and regard for the will and the word of God. If you want to put it in a simple statement, this is what it is. She was more interested in what God thought than what people thought. Good advice. Good advice. You ought to be far more interested in what God thinks about you than what people think or say about you. For who knows the truth? Woo, wow. Punch somebody. Wake them up. Who knows the truth about you? God Almighty knows the truth. And you should care far more about what he says than what people say. For he does know the truth. But she says, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to live. What God says is most important to me. Let me tell you, show you one of the sweetest things in Scripture. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. It's worth you coming today. Whenever she has regard for the word of God and the will of God, and by that she says, let it be done to me according to your word. When she regards God and his will and word so highly, listen to what it says in the Magnificat over in verse 48. Please don't fail to see the significance of this. She says this of God, For he has regard for the humble state of his Bond service. You ought to circle the word regard. You, you know what that said? You know what she said there? She says this. Whenever you regard God and his word and his will, God will have regard for you. Did you hear that? Whenever you play, pay close attention to the will of God and the word of God, and that's the most important thing in your life, God will have regard for you. What does that mean? To pay very close attention. How many of you want God to pay very close attention to you? And to your stuff? You know how you have that? Because you have regard for him. You regard God? God will regard you. Well, she has faith. Let it be done to me according to your word. Let it be done to me according to your will. And that faith brings about fulfillment. Fulfillment. Fulfillment of what, of what God promised her. Now, I don't know if you've seen this before, but I want to show you something, okay? The promise God gave to her was twofold. A twofold promise God gives to her. I'll show you in just a second. 
Isn't it interesting how God so many times gives twofold promises? When he took the children of Israel out of Egypt and he was taking them to the promised land, he told them this, he, he told Moses, this is what you got to do. One promise is get them out. Second promise is what? Get them in. Wasn't it? Get them out. Get them in. When it comes to your salvation, do you know what God promised to you? He promised you abundant life here and now and eternal life yet to come. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to excite somebody around here if it's not but me. I'm going to tell you. That's what he promised you. Twofold promise to what he said. Go back up here. Let me show you. He says what he's going to do in verse 31. And behold, you will, number one, you will conceive in your womb. And number two, you will bear a son. Those are two totally different things. You'll conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. So he, she gave, he gave her two promises. You're going to conceive. You're going to have a son. So the first fulfillment is to conceive. That's the first fulfillment of what he promised. How do you know that she's conceived? Because she goes to visit Elizabeth. There beginning in verse 39, she goes to visit Elizabeth. I'd visit Elizabeth too, wouldn't you? Elizabeth who hadn't had a baby, now pregnant six months, and I'm going to have one that I don't have a daddy. I'm going to go talk to Elizabeth. We're going to go spend some time together. She goes to Elizabeth and something miraculous takes place. You remember who's in Elizabeth's womb, right? John the Baptist. And remember what it said of John, that he will have the Holy Spirit in him. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. So that baby, six months of age, in her womb, filled with the Holy Spirit, and Mary comes to see Elizabeth. And when she does, listen to verse 41. And it came about when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting that the baby leaped in her womb. John leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with that same Holy Spirit. Listen to what she says. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed, here it is, is the fruit of your womb. She didn't have a pregnancy test. But she just got the positive results, amen? Man, does that excite y'all? <laughs> gracious, a lot. I mean, goodness, I need that. Did y'all know I caught a chipmunk this morning? <laughs> he was in the choir, and I wish I'd have kept him. We could have got more excitement with that chipmunk running underneath you than you can about that. L listen. She hears, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who announced that? God. Listen to what it goes on. And, blessed fruit, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Not just that there's a baby in your womb, but the one in your womb is my Lord. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in the, my womb for joy. Listen. And blessed is she who believed. 
that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. That's the first fulfillment. She has conceived and she is now pregnant with the Messiah. That's the first fulfillment. That she has conceived. And isn't it great that the Spirit of God says to her, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. What a commentary on her life. Well, I told you that whenever you have the fulfillment, the next thing that happens is the fullness of joy, right? So there ought to be a fullness of joy whenever she finds that the first promise is fulfilled. And it is. It's called the Magnificat. Now, isn't it... Have you ever thought about it? Do y'all think much? Do y'all think... I hope you think. Have you ever wondered this thing? Have you ever wondered, why is the Magnificat before Jesus is born? You ever thought about that? I mean, what she's going to say here, why does Mary do this awesome adoration of God before the baby is ever born? If the baby being born is the fulfillment, the reason she does it is because the first fulfillment has happened. And her fullness of joy expressed in the Magnificat is because of the conception, not because of the birth. You got it? You got it? This means I got it. All right. Good. Now, listen to her heart when she finds out she is pregnant with Jesus. Listen to what it says in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bondslave. And behold, for behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She has fullness of joy as she is expressing her adoration her praise, her exaltation of Almighty God because she has conceived that baby that he had promised. She is full of joy before that baby is ever born because God has done what God said he would do. I'll tell you an interesting thing about this as a side note. It doesn't cost you an extra thing, all right? Here's a side note. Isn't it interesting that, that really the birth of Jesus, if you read this in the Magnificat, and you go and you read the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus in the heart of Mary is almost anticlimactic. Because her real excitement was whenever she found she had conceived. And then the baby was born. But, but that's not unlike her son. Unlike her, uh, that's not unlike her son because her son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the climactic events of his Redemption was Gethsemane, not the cross. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he agonizes and he weeps and he cries out for God and says, God, if it can pass for me, let it. But when God said no, he walks from there resolute to be the sacrifice on the cross. Very much like her son will be and will do. Some 33 years from this time. 
Well, there's a second fulfillment, though. Remember? Two promises. Not only going to conceive, but you got to what? Bear a son. And where is that fulfillment? Well, that's the traditional Christmas story. They go to Bethlehem. And the time for the baby to come. And he's born. And he's placed in a manger. There in a stable. In a stall. He's there and he is born. And when that baby is born, the second promise has been fulfilled. You will conceive and you will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he shall be the savior of the world. So she has a second fulfillment. A second fulfillment. And after that second fulfillment, she has a second fullness of joy. And what was that? The fullness of the joy is when God keeps bringing people to tell her how great her baby is. The first of those were the shepherds who came and who announced that the angels had proclaimed that there's peace on earth for the Savior is born in the world. And they came to that manger and they bowed down and they worshiped that baby. A few days later, they're going to go and they're going to go to the temple and they're going to encounter Simeon, who is that great prophet who has been waiting for the Messiah. And he takes that baby in his arms and he says, God, You can let me die now, for you had promised I will not die until I see the Messiah. But I have seen the Messiah, for this is him. And Anna comes along, that prophetess, and takes that baby and blesses that baby. And then those magi come sometime later, and they bring their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And all along that way, it says that Mary ponders in her heart, and she has joy within her spirit. God gives her an overflowing joy. In that second fulfillment. Well, what's this story got to do with us? It's everything. It's everything for us. For see, God is still at work today. He has a will and a plan. And he has things he wants to do. And he wants to invite people who are willing to say yes. But if you're going to say yes... You're going to have to be willing to move from fear to faith in order for fulfillment to bring you fullness of joy. And you need to desire that in your own individual life. You need to desire that in your family. You should not satisfy, be satisfied with anything less. If you live your life short of God's doing miraculous things in and through you in your life, you are living a mediocre Christian life. You're just, you're just making paths. You're not really setting the woods on fire, I want to tell you. And you say, God can't you? Oh, yes, he can. He redeems you to use you. He's got a purpose and plan for you. So join in. And I believe that for our church. One of the reasons that I'm preaching this right now is because coming up in January and February, I'm going to be presenting to you a vision that God has given me for our church we're going to revisit some things that we were. We're going to have a vision about it. And I feel like the Lord wants us to do it. And, and we've got to decide whether or not we're going to let fear or faith rule out in our life, aren't we? And we're going to find out whether we're going to do something significant in our life. Or we're going to be mediocre. I'm not being mediocre. You might be. If God calls us to do it, we're going to be about the business of doing it, seeing what God wants us to do. And therefore, a challenge for me at the Christmas season, the challenge of these Christmas stories is this. God, help me to not let fear paralyze me. Help me to believe you in faith, knowing that whatever you tell us to do, you will fulfill it, and there will be fullness of joy in the midst of it. Amen? And I hope and pray that you will never be satisfied with mediocre. 
I hope that you want to be a part of his story. His story. Or see, his story is more than just the Christmas story. It's the Christmas story every day lived out in your life and my life. And we get to be a part. But you got to be willing to say yes. You got to be willing to say yes. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.